Here on Tank Nation, we will continuously remind you that you have been found. The DJ you just heard is Megamind, broadcasting from 106.5 The Tank, a prisoner-run radio station that operates out of the Maximum Security Allen B. Polunsky Unit in Livingston, Texas, just north of Houston. We're talking about The Tank today with one of my favorite reporters, Carrie Blakinger, who covers corrections for the Marshall Project and who's passionate about jails and prisons because she's done time herself. It's Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Carrie, thanks for being here. So good to be with you again. (laughs) All right, tell me about The Tank. How did you hear about this radio station? When did you first hear it? So I first heard about it, um, I went to interview uh, John Henry Ramirez in, I guess it must have been the very beginning of September. And John Henry Ramirez is? So he is a man on death row in Texas, and he had an execution date. His case was interesting in that the issue that he was litigating in court at that point was whether he could have a chaplain in the execution chamber laying a hand on him and praying out loud as he was being executed. And this became a national news story. And so I was writing something about what death row prisoners can and cannot ask for in the lead up to their execution. And I went to visit him to talk to him about his faith and about his case and his appeals. And you only have an hour for these interviews. So this was his last scheduled interview in the last slot before his scheduled execution the following week. And we spent... 20 minutes of that hour talking about this radio station. Want to know how easy it is to change somebody's life instantaneously? Find somebody on your pod or in your dorm right now. Throw a soup on their bunk anonymously and watch that smile materialize. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Which is so remarkable. Like if, if that's sort of the last thing you really want to talk about before you are potentially executed. And uh, it came up because he was telling me about how they'd been doing some baptisms on death row, which is in and of itself quite unusual because it meant allowing death row prisoners to have some amount of handcuffed and limited contact with general population prisoners and chaplains. And normally- this is Texas, where we don't allow a chaplain- In the death chamber. Well, we do allow them in the death chamber only because the Supreme Court made us. But most of the time, the guys on death row are in just complete isolation. And they can go years and years without touching another human except for when they are handcuffed. He starts telling me about the baptism. And then he says, oh, yeah, you know, they aired part of it on the tank. I was like, what's that? And he started telling me about this radio station. They had started it toward the beginning of the pandemic and it's a low watt station so you can really only hear it a little bit past the parking lot it's 106.5 fm the tank wondering what you can donate to the unit indigent hygiene program toothpaste shampoo soap and deodorant there's a cage in front of the chapel you can donate it in the chapel or simply stop one of the field ministers and make your donation that way be blessed you know, it's it's so remarkable because it gives these guys a chance to sort of have a safe space in a way. And I know that's kind of weird to think about, but, you know, they know that the entire audience for this is going to be people who, you know, understand prisons. These are mostly prisoners, some staff that might listen, maybe some visitors in the parking lot. But, you know, these are people who 
are going to understand where they are and they're going to understand what it's like to do time. They're not going to be sort of passing the same sorts of judgment that most random listeners in, you know, the middle of Texas might be. Right. And so what does the programming sound like? Oh my God, it's so amazing. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like they have like almost round the clock programming, right? Like it's a ton of stuff. Every night they have music from 10 p.m. to 2 or 3 in the morning and they have like a heavy metal show one night. They have Latin music one. They have alternative airwaves. Where do they get the music from? It's through one of the chaplaincy programs. Oh, okay. Whatever license they needed for streaming some of this stuff they've gotten through the religious organizations that helped them start this. Okay. The programming is so robust. It's basically round the clock. They have music shows every night from, you know, 10 p.m. till 2 or 3 in the morning. They have like an R&B one. They have rap. They have one that's like a conspiracy theory show that's like (laughs) coast to coast AM type thing. They have one guy on death row who gives financial tips. (laughs) They do some life skills classes. They do a lot of religious programming. And they also have daily announcements around noon, which is the uh, menu for the day who has commissary run. They start off every morning by playing a TV show, something like Martin, I think they said, works well. They're playing shows that you're only listening to, right? Because, you know, this is just the radio. But a lot of these guys haven't had access to a television in years or decades because if you're in solitary confinement you you know you don't have a television so they're picking shows that you can pretty much understand and follow without actually being able to see them they also play movies which are a little easier because there's a whole thing of movies being narrated for blind people oh so those translate really well to people that don't have tvs right megamind told me that they hate prison movies and they actually really like (laughs) rom-coms What is it like to listen to it in prison? Do you you have a radio in your cell in maximum security? Yes. One of the things that Texas prisons have had for a long time and has been very consistent staple has been radios. You know, there's sometimes there's TVs in the day rooms. There are phones on the wall. Yeah. But like the only consistent thing that everyone really has access to is radios. And it's been that way for years. Another time when I was interviewing two guys on death row, I talked to this one guy, Tony, and after the interview, he left the recorder running as the guard went around to get the recorder and give it to the next guy. So I hear him just talking to the next guy, thinking I can't hear, and they have like three, four minutes to talk when they're normally not able to talk to each other because they're in different cells, they're not near each other. And he's asking him about the radio station. Like that's what they talk about in their sort of, downtime a few minutes which i thought was so interesting right like that it's that level of important to them all right my friends time to wake up the world is awake and waiting on you what are you going to present today so this morning as usual we have our reverend do good what's behind his name some engines of ingenuity one of the really uh remarkable things about the way this has worked is that So normally prisoners are not allowed to communicate with each other. Like they can't, you know, you can talk if you see each other, obviously, but you can't write someone else a letter in your prison or another prison. Where I did time in New York, like you would go to shoe, you'd go to solitary if you got caught sending a letter to another prisoner or if you sent it to someone else to send to another prisoner. But for this, the warden carved out an exception and has allowed the guys who are in solitary, both on death row and off death row, 
to write to the chaplain department and have the chaplain scan it, make sure there's no code or anything bad, and give it to the guys that run the radio station. So this means that the guys who were on death row have some ability to participate. One of the men who participated was John Henry Ramirez. The tape you'll hear next, which aired on The Tank, is from an outdoor church service held for Ramirez the day before his execution was scheduled. If I do got to walk there, I can walk there in peace, knowing I did as much good as I could, you know? I know it ain't, it ain't never going to make up for what I did, because I am a murderer, you know what I mean? And I ain't going to get technical with it or whatever, but I, it wasn't a robbery in the Capitol. We ain't going to go out there, but, but I've always taken responsibility that, yes, I took that man's life, you know what I mean? Carelessly, stupidly, it was a fight, you know what I mean? And I just took that food from his kids and from his wife and from his friends, and I ain't never going to be able to give anything back like that, no matter how much good I do. And that hurts me so bad, man. It hurts me so bad, and I strive so hard to do so much better. And I'm trying to encourage people around me to do that. And the tank has helped me. The tank has given me an avenue to do that. And I thank y'all so much. How does that resonate with you? You who did time and are now writing about prisons. You have a huge prisoner following, I know, because I've seen your pile of mail. <laughs> did you identify with this? some of this? Oh, man. Yeah. I I remember when I started reporting on prisons and started realizing that my stories could have impact and how deeply meaningful that was when I was writing about how Texas prisoners were not getting dentures. Oh, for the Houston Chronicle. This was one of my favorite stories. Yeah. In Texas prisons, if you didn't have teeth, they would not give you dentures. They would just put your food in a blender, puree it and pour it into a cup. And after I wrote about that, there was one legislator in particular, John Whitmire, who was really horrified. And I think he pushed the prison system to do better. And they announced they were going to make all these changes. They bought 3D printers and started 3D printing teeth. But I remember that photo of the guy who had his 3D printed teeth. Yeah. Like smiling ear to ear. Yes. You know, looking at that, you knew you had done that. Yes. And when I first got off the phone with the woman who's in charge of prison medical and she had told me this is what we're gonna do i i remember crying i was just like i was so blown away that i'd been able to help make this happen when i started covering criminal justice in prisons i i didn't think that was realistic or that that was a possibility um and so i understand i understand where these guys are in terms of feeling like not even thinking that there's an impact, like just doing a thing and not realizing that it can have an impact. And then when they do, it blows them away. Yeah. Actually, when I went to go see the radio station, the warden let me come in and visit the unit, which was, I mean, very nice of him. After all the terrible things I've written about Texas prisons, <laughs> I, you know, I'm surprised. <laughs> I got to see the station and um, Megamind interviewed me while I was there, uh, which was very cool to be interviewed for their station. But he started off by talking about how much my work means to them. And, you know, I almost started crying at the beginning of the interview. He's like, oh, I see you blushing. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but, he, you know, he was talking about how how meaningful that is and how good it is to see someone who's gotten out and, you know, gotten their lives together, but also gone on to, you know, continue thinking about where they came from. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite interviews I've done. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't think you're I don't think you're gonna top Megamind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well fine. I'm ending the interview here, Harry. <laughs>
We'll have a link to Carrie Blakinger's article about the tank in our show notes. And we'll also have information about her upcoming memoir. It'll be out in June. Next up, I am here with producer Dina Kesba. Dina, what is going on in Houston? So there's a couple things I've been reading about. The first one is that Houston is actually planning on opening two new testing mega sites for COVID this week. And it, the first one's going to be at Butler Stadium. And then the other one is going to actually be at the old Dave and Buster's location on Richmond Avenue. <laughs> and it's a weird do place. Get, do you get game tokens if you're negative? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a good question. Maybe we should ask them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this all comes after the city of Houston's health department said that multiple testing sites had reached their maximum capacity, which is kind of scary. And, you know, as this holiday season comes to an end, the city of Houston's medical director is telling people, please go out and get tested on a regular basis. But in a kind of other wild story. So COVID vaccines are free, right? For anyone who's five years old and up. Well, there's a woman in Houston named Linda McSwain who got her vaccine from UT Health, but then months later got a bill for $42. And obviously she was like, um, this is weird. So when she called and asked about it, she was told that that's just an administration fee that they charge for each shot. So she raised the alarm. And then the next day, that charge just kind of disappeared and it showed no bills due at this time. So y'all check over your bills very carefully and make sure there's no sus charges on there. That's it for CityCast Houston today. If you like what we're doing and you want to help this tender new little podcast find its people, it really helps if you rate us in iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And please sign up for our newsletter at houston.citycast.fm and forward it to all your friends. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Blah. We'll have a blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> You guys always have plenty of bloopers.